Yada, yada, yada. Chalk that's concrete, Jimmy trying to repeat Sit back, relax, and just let Nick kick the facts Most of these cats just stay believing in the stats Rasta damn spooky, take offense like Tucci Coming for the moolie, on your bennies couldn't push me Rebuilding your peak, grab a beer or some tree Elite XVI pod, too intense for the beat And welcome back to the Elite Fantasy Podcast as always, I'm your host, Dick Massetti. Join with me is my co-host, Michael Broadbent. And we have a very special guest today, right? We do have a special guest. He, he may or may not have won a couple titles recently. So uh, you guys might know him as the high and wide radio guy or Jimmy Icavone. What's going on, man? Guys, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be on this show. I've been, uh, you know, obviously listening to it for the last couple of years and finally get a chance to hang out on it. So I'm excited. Yeah, you know, we asked everyone to be on the show, but we were hoping it was you who said yes. So really, uh, thank you for taking us up on our offer. Uh, we love having guests on the show, get some some outside opinions. So it's not just uh, me and Mike, uh, you know, jacking each other off for, for an hour and a half uh, <laughs> once a month. Uh, so Jimmy, before we get too deep on, on our topics uh, today, just talking about your team in general, and we might have even discussed it already. And if we did, I just don't remember the answer. What does your team name mean? A.S. Cornudo. Um, hang on. I'll get the actual definition for you. Is it it's like a Latin thing? Italian thing or what no, is it's it? an yeah. Italian thing. It's Italian. like, hang on. It's, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's In Italian, it's like, you know, it's like the horns, like, you know, giving somebody the horns. So in this, in the league, I'm giving everybody the horns. And that's why I won the last two years. I'm wishing bad luck on everybody. All right. And now to make myself feel old, what do giving someone the horns mean? Does that mean I like you? You're doing well? <laughs> rock on? Like what it is, means what uh, is, I'm wishing uh, bad things happen. Giving somebody the horn sounds like something your grandma would say. It's not, it's not <laughs> a, new, a new thing people say. Yeah. Give right. me the, the Cornudo uh, horn. Yeah. Okay. I still don't really understand, but thanks for talking about it. So, all right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and... You've obviously have a an amazing track record of success in the league ever since that you've um, you've you've stepped foot, um, and you are going for a three peat right now, which is very rare. Um, and what's a little odd is that you just traded away a contending piece to potentially someone who could threaten you in the playoffs um, at the trade deadline. Yes. Um, why don't you break down your your trade with Olson regarding uh, Antonio Brown for us? So I've been kind of dangling uh, Antonio Brown to teams who I thought could use um, a starting wide receiver. Um, so for my team, I view Justin Jefferson, CeeDee Lamb, and Chris Godwin as guys that I'm always going to have in the lineup, even if Antonio Brown is you know, outscoring them, just because I think those are my guys. Um, Antonio Brown was kind of um, a luxury trade I think I made before the season from Planko. And I saw him as depth. I didn't know he was going to be outscoring these guys. Um, so I've been chopping him around. Um, a couple of things fell through. And, you know, I lowered my price a little bit. Olsen, I figured, you know, last minute thing before I came on the show, offered him a, a second and a third. Uh, I know he needed a receiver. Robert Woods went down. Yes, he did. He did just make a trade with Nick. But I felt like his team was still at least one piece away. 
and I felt like it made sense for him. And uh, I was looking for a couple, you know, spare part draft picks uh, in the future, and I got them. So, yeah. And I want to thank you guys personally, now that you can see me, uh, for making this trade. You're both re- your respective trades. The week I have to play Olsen, so that's much appreciated. <laughs> yeah, it's purely coincidental, and there's been no dark money exchanging hands uh, via Bitcoin I'm sure and stuff. Been, yeah, I'm I sure didn't... it's all above board. <laughs> yeah. So I guess uh, that would be a good segue into my deal with Olsen. So, uh, you know, Olsen hit me up in the m- middle of the season, or I guess more middler than we are now, um, about DK Metcalf. And like, DK is my dude, you know, so that's like, that's going to be tough for me to part with a guy like that. But he knocked with a price tag that at least made me look at it and consider it. Not seriously consider, but it was like he threw three ones at me and two of them were like early, like top five projected ones for this year. But still, DK, all I'd be doing is just trying to find DK and I wouldn't be able to, to do that. But so as time went on, I was like, you know what? Like I looked at my team and really like Diggs is like kind of old for like where all my players are. Um, Got like Swift, Metcalf, Pitts. That's like the core of like the foundation that I'm building. And then Russell Wilson, who's like in his early 30s, who should have a decent stretch um, anyway. So I was like, you know what? If the pro so like maybe Olsen would would take Diggs instead because he doesn't have anyone really good on a one year deal, so he'd be able to resign Diggs. So I offered him Diggs for that same package, and he balked at it because um, he was going to resign either Nick Chubb or DJ Moore early because they're both on twos. So he's trying to get ahead of the game in his contract uh, situation. I think some people like I think Thurston like mismanaged that before and he was wasn't able to to keep a guy because he because they he wasn't able to trade for a re-signing before they, they took down. Uh, but so what we ultimately came up with was like, all right, well why don't we just bake in me like you buying a re-sign from me in the deal. So I wound up kicking him a second round pick in it that will wind up coming back to me to re-sign Diggs instead. So essentially like I traded what wound up being Diggs on a six because I'll be resigning someone else for him uh, for uh, those those three three first round picks. Because honestly, I, who who the hell cares what happens to me the rest of the year? I think whenever you start the season, Other than going, Mike Planko, he's got <laughs> yeah. first round pick, and he's just reveling in this opportunity. I am trying to squeak out a win. Like I just want to do that to protect my my draft picks. That's it. But I think whenever you start zero and three in the division to start a year, like you're you're gonna be fucked on any tiebreaker like especially a division like mine like yeah uh but that's it that's that's all i have to say about myself that was that was a while (laughs) (laughs) i I like that that trade i thought that was good for both uh both uh both you guys yeah and what's weird is like it was essentially agreed to before robert woods got hurt um and it was just like olsen's in like wedding week i forget where he got like he's on some kind of tropical island or something like that Mexico, Um, Mexico, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tropical island of Mexico, (laughs) Uh, and uh, yeah, it it was, and it was even one of those things that, like, I even broke down the particulars for him for what the actual trade wound up being, and I tried to give it to him for the deadline so that he'd be able to like actually start him that week. And I was like, look, I I know you said you're not you're not going to get back until Sunday night at the earliest, but like, I'm going to give the opportunity to pull the trigger and get him in your lineup this week, and. 
he lost by 23 points and he would have gotten, I think, a 24, 25 point bump if he had Stefan Diggs in his lineup. Like mm. it was the difference maker. We, we talked about how it might have been. And then after Monday night and the way that the score shaked out, it was. So if he somehow misses the playoffs because of the timing on that, it's, 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 it's going to sting. That would be brutal. Yeah, but I I think it's unlikely, especially considering that he added some serious firepower over the past couple of days. So we talked about those two, right? We talked about Antonio Brown changing hands. We talked about Stephon Diggs changing hands. Uh, we've got a few others in here too. If you want to bring them up, Mike. Sure. We had a uh, a bit of a, a Darius Leonard shuffle here. Um, so James Thomas. I mean, I don't know how many people have probably hit him up about Darius Leonard over the, the year he's owned the team almost. I'd imagine it's like roughly half the league. I offered him what I thought was a better deal in the preseason than what he ended up taking. Um, But I guess he realized, you know, this is an asset that'll be on a one-year contract after this year. He's not a guy that fits my timeline and he's a linebacker. Got to get some kind of value for him. So he trades him to you, Nick, for a second and a third. And you almost immediately ship him off to Andrew for a uh, second which I think is a little earlier than the second that you sent him. It was a 2024 it was, second. I sent him a projected late second in 2024 and a mm-hmm. third in 2023 for yep. an early second this upcoming year. Yeah, and, and then you got back it. You got Gage's 2020 second, 2022 yeah. second round pick. So, I mean, yep. I love that, that maneuvering by you because, I mean, straight up, nobody's taking that, but shuffling assets it, it makes is what makes it work. Um and now Andrew has a piece that he can add to his his pretty mediocre defense, honestly. But now his defense is slightly above average with the addition of uh, Darius Leonard. Yeah, I, I think what happened with, with, with James and Darius Leonard is... So James kind of had an offer fall into his, ha- into his lap in the offseason on Godwin. And I think that he was kind of expecting that to happen. If he's just patient, that like people will come to him on others. So like he turned away some big offers on Leonard and people at least that I talked to like it sounded like they just figured that they were priced out on Leonard because they they knocked before there was no interest and James wasn't going to people and playing matchmaker and being like look you have a hole in your team Leonard can fix it like here's what I want um yeah and and, and like that's what I wound up doing like I went to Linton and I was like I mean he was starting like Malcolm Jenkins or something like that at Malcolm X basically. Yeah. So like he was getting a dead spot. He was getting like a four point per game bump there. And so like, I knew that he would have an interest in it. Uh, And it's just like, sometimes it's just like, if you just try to sit there with like a fish with your mouth open and, and hope that, that everything crawls in your mouth for you, like you're, it's, it's better to be active and try to put the grunt work in and play matchmaker and try to find, the right fit instead of just like blasting out this guy's available and then just hope that people come to you. Yeah, certainly it's, it's a, a calculated risk with the leverage that you'll have with somebody coming yeah. to you versus you yeah. going to somebody. And if you go to one person, maybe it doesn't get around, but if you go to multiple people kind of shopping a guy for a similar price, it just kind of reeks of desperation on your end. Unless yeah. it's like a clear, like I'm going to make this deal. And this is, it's a very rare combination of factors if it if it does if you do get the full price you want by shopping somebody heavily i think so so much i think it's great that you bring it up that because i think there's so much context that goes into it if you're a contending team and you're shopping 
a player who's like helping you contend or whatever, people think that you know something they don't and they're like gun shy on the offer. But if you're like a rebuilding team and you have like a good player who's like older, I think people just know that like, okay, this guy doesn't help you. Like, you know, like when it's, when there's that easy way to, to connect the dots for like, all right, this guy just doesn't make sense for your team. But like, if you're shopping like a starting running back and like you need a starting running back, people are like, why are you trying to sell me this starting running back? Hey, like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, I know yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. At least that's the way that I think it kind of goes down. No, one I, thing I, 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 one I, thing I learned though, is you got to be uh, aggressive. Like, a. Uh, and uh, I know everybody's different. It's a 16 guy league and, you know, no, 16 guys are all not the same, but if, especially if you're one of the, the bottom teams in terms of talent, you got to be aggressive. Like you have to go out and, and you have to make moves. You can't just sit back or you're going to sit at the bottom for yeah. a long time. And it's, yeah, like, look at Backle. Like how many, I hit, get hit up like yeah. twice a week about something with Backle, whether it be like a guy he just picked up off the waiver wire or, you know, trying to, see if I need a fourth string so-and-so like he's working every day on this league and it's pretty, yeah, pretty impressive. Shark, man. There's sharks in this league. And if you're just sitting back, <laughs> you're getting passed. Yeah. And, and you know what, like for being aggressive, it's not even just making trades. Like that's a good way to be aggressive too. But like there's free money out there and for agency, like oh, if yeah. you're, if like you have like roster spots that are open, like you're losing an opportunity to get an asset that you can trade away to someone that like, you know, mm-hmm. pick up a backup running back on a team or a third string running back on a team and just like let the chaos work in your favor potentially. And then yeah. you can, you know, like Darnish Johnson or some shit like that. Like these like rando guys that become like attractive studs for like one to four weeks or even like Elijah Mitchell, although he was drafted. Uh, and speaking of that, yeah. like we've, we've had some pretty big hits in the third round this year. I saw... Ramondre Stevens, who was a third round pick, Elijah Mitchell was a third round pick, and these guys are getting like serious mid low to high end RB two volume right now. He just ran for a hundred yards against me uh, last week. Backle almost beat me. Yeah, I, 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 two tutties, I think, or was it one one touchdown? Yeah, he had two touchdowns, yeah, and yeah. he did. And then Aaron, it was such a, a shitty situation for you, Jimmy, because Aaron Jones gets hurt, and then AJ Dillon <laughs> steps in, and he just. Salts the game yeah. away. He scores two touchdowns. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> the complete opposite directions for the matchup. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. Point in case here. I was, uh, I mean, I listen to a lot of football podcasts and a lot of people were hyping up Marcus Johnson based off last week and Julio Jones is hurt and he's kind of filled that big receiver role on Titans. And I, anytime I hear a, a name mentioned, even if I'm like pretty familiar with him, I'll just look him up in our player pool. And sure enough, Marcus Johnson was there today. So I scooped him up. I don't think he's going to be like any kind of like game breaker for me, but it, it's just another like high upside lottery ticket that was just sitting out there. I was pretty shocked by it. Yeah. Like, and that was one thing that um, like happened before where like, so I, I remember even when like Henry wasn't like contending, I remember there were times where like he had open spots on his bench. Like, and you know, oh, it, he had like six open spots last year and like, it wasn't even like, all right, I understand if you're getting bad offers or if, you know, whatever, like you're not supposed to make every offer that's, that's sent to you, but like you're, all you're doing is handicapping what you can actually turn stuff into for free. And then you look at kind of the, 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 um, trash to gold type thing that people like Backler are doing. I try to do even when it's. Like, I know this isn't my year, but, like, 
I'm putting in just as much effort as all the contenders right now, uh, even though I know that I might not win another fucking game for the rest of the rest of the year, just because, all right, maybe I'll get a guy that might be franchisable. Like I picked up, um, uh, what's this? Uh, Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards was out freely available and he's IR eligible. So if you had an IR spot, you could have just added him directly to your IR from your team. And like maybe something would happen in the offseason that would make him an attractive franchise candidate for you. Like, or at the very least, you can ensure that he hits the free agent pool. Yeah. So that no one else resigns him or, you know, like, yeah, there's, there's so much that, that you can do if you're just like maximizing all the small stuff because it's, it's like, it's like that any given Sunday speech, you know, like when you add up all those inches, that makes the fucking difference between winning and losing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right, and uh, do we have any other deals to, to break down there too? I, I know there was oh, yeah. I mean, we, was one, right? I mean, we have a lot of deals from the last time we, we spoke, and we could just deal with like stuff that's happened recently. Uh, yeah, Dom and Steve had an interesting deal for Mike Gasicki, where uh, Dom got oh, Backle, uh, Backle and Dom, yes, Backle and Dom. I'm sorry. Um, so, so Backle traded uh, the, the, the Bros 2022 first round pick. Uh, and two 2022 third round picks for Mike Gesicki. And I think Mike Gesicki's on a one or a two. Um, and this would just mainly surprise me because this was like a homegrown guy for Dom. This is a Penn State grad. Like he was finally like breaking out. But I guess contract wise, it didn't make sense for, for Dom and it did for, for Steve. So the deal happened. Um, I mean, I like it for both teams. Uh, it looks like the bros currently aren't projected to make the playoffs based on how things stand right now. I think they en- end up do making the playoffs. But if things ended today, I think he'd be the eight seed. So it's yeah. like the eighth pick and two thirds for Gasicki. I think it's good value for Dom because he was able to, and this is going to shock people that I'm saying something nice about Dom's team, but I, <laughs> I don't have anything against Dom or Matt. I really like this deal for them though, because they're able to recruit value back for a guy they picked in the late first round. They got a mid first round pick back and they're able to take their chances on a guy who's going to be in a, a, not a deep wide receiver class, but there's a lot of receivers in this in this draft and from, they need one from what i hear it's also a pretty deep tight end class i haven't looked into the tight ends too much but it, i'm just going off of what i've seen people say um yeah so i actually unless that that only bene pick like the the bros pick winds up being like top five like i think this is like a, a hammer deal for backle and particularly because like you draft a guy like a and like you hope that he winds up being what he is. Like you draft him at like 10 overall. And then you know that you're going to have like two to three years of growing pains while he develops and improves every year, which is what he's doing. And then like, you hope that he's a guy that's like basically a big wide receiver. And that's exactly what he like plays 85% of his snaps, like flexed out, like from the line. Like um, it's like, there, there aren't many high upside receiving tight ends in the league and that's what you're going to be throwing a dart on in the first round to try to get anyway so um unless it winds up being like a top five pick um i think it's like it's absolutely a worthwhile deal for backle but i do understand why why uh dominic did it particularly because like the cupboard was pretty bare for them for for their their draft pick so they need to try to re uh, restock a little bit and not just get one but like they got like you know like a, a a handful of darts that they can throw and tight end i mean unless you're going against a, a team 
that has a stud, like it, like if you're going against an average team in the league, you can kind of like scrape by with like a shitty tight end, you know, like, but if you're going up against like one of the top four teams or whatever, like you're, you're losing a pretty big advantage there. Um, Yeah. And I think there's a pretty high upside with, Gasicki like being a free agent in the offseason and his his situation can really only improve from being in Miami. Like imagine him in Green Bay. Like that would be an awesome situation for him. Yeah, or him in Miami with Deshaun Watson there anyway. Like you know that's, that's point being his situation really can, yeah. can only go up. Sorry, Jimmy. No, it's uh, all right. That, I, I was a little bit surprised by uh by that move. Uh f- mostly from uh Dom and Matt's perspective. Not just because they traded Kasiki. I mean, they got a first-round pick for him, which is fine. But trading him in the division to Steve, who it looks like he knows what he's doing as far as building a team. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve's going to have a, a pretty good team, I think, quicker than we think. And if – I mean, I'm not helping Steve build his team. <laughs> he's in my division. I'm, I'm not giving him any good players. I don't care what he's offering me. Uh, so I'll offer the same thing to somebody else. But um, – yeah, I mean, if I guess if both parties were happy with the deal, then that's fine. But I'm not trading a, a guy in my division, a guy like Mike Kosicki, and he's got the um, the quarterback, the potential quarterback to match with them next year. So, you know, that's a nice uh, a nice matchup to have. Yeah, I can't disagree on a personal level anymore because I literally did everything that you say you don't want to do. I <laughs> traded away one of my, my best players, Stephon Diggs, to a divisional rival so that he could match up with a quarterback that he already owns. Like, you know, it's it literally did everything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, uh, I, I understand your point. It's a valid point. It's just, I don't care. <laughs> okay. I'll do whatever. I'll trade with anyone. <laughs> But yeah, I, I think it's funny. I think I think Backel is gaining a reputation, and I feel this way. I think everyone kind of always feels, you know, uh, like vilified a little bit. So, but like sometimes I feel like, man, no one wants to trade with me because like they're afraid, and and like they know I know what I'm doing, and like they don't want to get burned, or you know. But like I think that like that's real to a, like a small extent, and I think that Backel is starting to get that. Like I think that hey, burn he, me on Cam Newton. I think that he's showing people by being competent, like, all right, you can make a deal with him, like, he's flexible, but, like, it's a guy that you're not going to pull the wool over his eyes. Right. You know, like, he knows what he's doing, so you better know what you're doing if you're making a deal with him, too. Which I like, because it, it makes it more fun, believe it or not. As much as you want to, not that you want to get one over on a guy, because that's not what it's about when you trade. It's, um, I like that he, you're not going to pull anything on him, and he's going to try to do it back to you, you know what I mean? It makes it more fun, I think. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I've never won a championship in this league, and it's my favorite league by far. Like, I love the competitive. I love it. It's difficult. Right. Like, I want to be can't hard. relate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, yeah, you're incredible. I love this Good league. But, yeah, like, I, I, I kind of won some s- small masochistic portion of me never wants to win because, like, I want that, that like, mountain to he needs that chip you know? on his shoulder. I need the chip on my shoulder, you know, like um, – um, what else we got, Mike? So I think we should start grouping some of these because Jimmy's made a lot of small trades and uh, it's mainly been like slightly improving positions on his team for a playoff run from what I can gather. Uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, Jimmy. But No, that's correct. Like, you tra- <laughs> no, it's all right. uh, So you traded for Christian Wilkins. That um, was a pretty small trade. It was just DJ Reader and a third for, D- uh, for Wilkins. You traded for Melvin Gordon. Um, you traded for Dawson Knox, 
who was uh, you kind of upgraded him from Dan Arnold. Uh, you traded for Hassan Reddick today or yesterday or two days ago. Sorry, number two, sorry. I think he's the number two highest scoring edge rusher in the league right now. Yeah, I needed an yeah, edge so, rusher. Ed. So you basically talk us through your your strategy with uh, making these like smaller deals to kind of position yourself better for this year. Sure. So I'll start with the uh, defense first. My defense is underperforming, like bad, since uh, maybe the first week or so. Um, I thought my defense was built up pretty good, and we well, did get Chandler Jones getting five sacks week one. That was a little crazy. I know, and I'm like, <laughs> and I'm not like I'm expecting five sacks every game, and he's he's disappeared for like six, seven weeks. I think he just finally had a sack the other day, um, but he he's become a guy that I can't rely on, which is unfortunate because I thought I could. Um, I franchised Bud Dupree last year because I figured I could put him on the IR and still get a free agent when I had the opportunity to franchise Hassan Reddick. So that's a mistake. Um, yeah, my, so overall what drove me to make these moves is my defense is underperformed. Chris Jones, another guy that's un, uh, underperformed. That's why I had to go out and get Christian Wilkins. Um, I like that he can play. I can put him in the edge slot. I could put him in the DL slot. Um, let me see. I think there's one more move I made on D or that's it. Yeah, that's it for defense. And, and then the Dawson Knox, um, you know, I was, I've kind of been talking with price for a couple weeks, uh, about a specific trade, uh, ended up not happening. So there was a couple pieces in the deal that I figured, all right, well, you know, I have Dallas Goddard who has still not, you know, perform the way that I had hoped, you know, at least on a consistent basis. After the basis. trade, especially. Yeah, I mean, uh, at least, like, I'm looking for at least 10 points a game, and he's not getting that. So, you know, Dawson Knox at least has high upside with Josh Allen. So I figured, all right, let's make that move um, and, and see if I can flex him in some weeks. And um, I think that's – did I make any other moves? No, but I am looking at your scoring from week one here. So Chandler Jones got 38 and a half points week one. Ridiculous, and he's got yeah. 60.5 points on the season. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Jones bad. got you 13 and a half points week one. He's got 33.2 points on the season. So I, I can kind of understand where you're coming from there. Uh, you yes. also lost Chase Young for the year. You had a brutal weekend for injuries, man. Oh, yeah, big time. Yeah, so I had to plug some holes. You know, there's a bunch of holes in the ship. I had to plug them up. So uh, touching on that five-sack game for Chandler Jones in week one, I think that, like, it, it really reminds me of, um, like, you know, if you get five sacks in the game, that's not a you thing. Like, you didn't succeed. Someone failed. Like, that reminds me of, like, the Winston Justice game. Like, it's always remembered as the Winston Justice game. Mm-hmm. It, it's not the OCU Manura game of six sacks. It's, like, it's a, it's you're going up against a freaking turnstile. Like... And so it's not surprising to see him blow up for one week and then like do very little after that because he's not he's not playing up, up against the, the same same tackle. <laughs> I also figured that JJ Watt was going to help him out a little bit. That that teams had more you know yeah. more players to focus on, and it seems like it did the opposite. Maybe. Yeah, I, JJ I think, Watt also got hurt. Yeah, and, think, and then he ends up getting a sack after that. I think yeah. a sim- similar thing kind of happens with uh, with Mac. Look, Khalil Mac, who you traded away. Just because, like, he's so good, but he gets so much attention. And it's so tough that, like, you know, on on defense, like, especially defensive line, like, if you're that good and you don't have enough people to, like, 
make offenses kind of have to play you honestly with like one-on-ones or like one in a chip, like you're getting double and triple teamed. Like it's going to be really tough to stay fantasy relevant if you have to be multiple guys on every play, you know? Yep. Sure. For sure. Um, um, a small trade made by Thurston to improve his tight end situation. He traded Johnny Smith and a third for Gerald Everett. Uh, I mean, Gerald Everett has basically been pretty dormant this whole season. Like he had a nice game on, uh, Sunday versus Green Bay, where he was just getting fed like dump downs, which is not, you know, Russell Wilson's game. Russell Wilson looked really bad on Sunday. I'm sure you, yeah. you know that already, Nick. But um, no, I, yeah. I mean, he he looked um, so he was magical. He looked just inches away from magical. Like he was making throws that he would normally connect on that were very impressive and difficult. And he was like just missing a few of them, and then some of them were just like actually didn't look good at all. Like so, it was a comp- like I still saw glimpses of like he's in there, you know, he's not he's not lost, and it was pretty close on some of them. Like I saw that there was one, it was like he did not look like, like Mr. Unlimited on the weekend. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> oh he didn't. God. Yeah, you're right. But he didn't look like Zach Wilson either. Like he didn't look like a yeah. fucking turd. You you saw that like all right. He would go scramble, make some guys miss for like six seconds, and then like throw a dart to like a diving player in the end zone that was like you know three inches away from from his hands. So it's like you know whatever. John has been a huge disappointment though. Like I was, me and Nick have a side bet about who, which Patriots tight end would have a better year. I just felt Hunter Henry would be on the field like for basically every down. He like he'd be the the one tight end, tight end set kind of guy and. I mean, he's had a great year, but I mean, it's all touchdown based. Like he's got like 350 yards receiving and it's seven touchdowns. And Johnny's been a non-factor since that fumble that he had like week four. Yeah, I really thought that Johnny was going to get like not just manufactured touches, but like I think Johnny's an outstanding um, player, like with the ball in his hands, like after the catch. And for me, Mac Jones, like the thing that he did the best in college was like give it, give the ball to to his guys in stride so that they can pick up yards up the catch. And I really thought that, like, he, like John was going to really strive in that role, like, you know, basically that Aaron Hernandez role from, from back in the day. Like, and that hasn't been the case. He hasn't been playing a lot either. Like, he'll play, like, 30-some percent of the snaps or 40% of the snaps. And then when he's on the field, they'll get him the ball. But it's, you know, he's not – he doesn't play enough to really justify it. So, yeah, that that's an easy loss for me. And uh, I'll, I'll take that one on the, on the chin. But I drafted if he, if he misses in, yeah. one more game, then Sorry. you're out of it. Sorry, Fingers going. crossed. I drafted him uh, late in an ESPN league, and I thought I got a steal. And I think I just caught him last week, yeah. finally. Yeah, he's – I mean, he, he just hasn't been playing much, like Nick said, which is unfortunate. And it's kind of – I mean, it's not surprising given Belichick's had, like, a pretty bad history of, like, signing guys for a lot of money and not really playing them or drafting guys highly and not really playing them. Uh, it's it's kind of more surprising that he's he's done as well as he has, more so than you know he hasn't because he hasn't really been a great GM. He's been a great coach, but oh, that's right, it's he's half the job. Too. Yep. Um, another trade I just want to touch on. Nick and I made a trade last week, uh, right before the week started. It was Dernis Johnson for Adrian Peterson in a third. I just didn't feel like comfortable in my matchup last week, and sure enough. The swap for Dearness Johnson and Adrian Peterson ended up being the difference between a win and a loss for me. So, I mean, sometimes those deals can be pretty huge, and sometimes they can be inconsequential. You just have to like kind of measure that risk. 
Yeah, and thankfully Jake beat me by like a fucking hundred points, so it didn't really matter <laughs> what Darren Johnson did on my team. He was going to be wasting away. So free third, free free third rounder for me. You know, that's the way I look at it. For sure. So probably the most unexpected trade of the deadline period happened today, um, and some of you might not have seen it yet. But uh, Thurston and Gage made a deal where, a big one. Uh, yeah, Thurston sent Elijah Mitchell on a one, twenty twenty four first round pitch pick which is backles which looks tasty right now but um something my spider senses are telling me it's not going to be a tasty pick by 2024 uh and also a 2022 second round pick which was olsen's who's gonna have a pretty good team after all the deals he's been making and a 2023 third round pick from michael pittman on a four-year deal and a 2022 third pittman's been one of the breakout fantasy stars this season um he's really meshed well with wentz i know that you thought ty would be wentz's guy but I just think he has been healthy enough to really make a difference. And, and Pittman's been way better than I expected him to be in his second year. Uh, cool. I, I really like this for Thurston. I mean, he's got, he's going to lose a lot of talent in the off season and he really needed to find a way to, to kind of soak in some of that value during this season while he had the chance and, and Mitchell was going to be a cap casualty for him. I think I agree with everything that you just said. Like, I think it's great that, uh, Thurston is starting to to turn turn the uh, page over and, and think past this year because he's got all the all those one year deals and I also get it for for, Ga- for Gage too like you get the, you wind up getting a pick for it now Pittman is worth more more than a first round pick in my opinion but uh, the fact that he spent a first rounder on Trey Sermon who has been screwed over by uh, the whim of Kyle Shanahan. And, and Joff- Joffrey Shanahan, you know, and you know, right now, you know, he was able to to get back Elijah Mitchell to get the starter for that backfield. But like, if if you're in on San Francisco, you have to be in on, on all of San Francisco because I think we saw with Ayuk and, and Debo Samuel is that like you really don't know who's going to be favored at any given point or or any given season. So uh, it might swing back to Trey Sermon at 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 a moment's notice. So. Gage will be there to scoop up, hopefully, uh, whoever's um, in, in the uh, good graces. I love this trade for Thurston. And not and it, that doesn't mean that I don't like what Gage got back, but only because Thurston's in a position to finally contend. And I think he needed to make a move like this. Um, we were talking for, for a couple days there. And, you know, uh, the at least a, in terms of player, the piece was there, but not what you know, the price wasn't worth it for Thurston. And I think the deal that he ended up finding made, made a lot more sense for him. You know, he, found, he got Michael Pittman on a four, right? And you're talking about all the contracts that he's going to lose next year, all the ones. I think it was a great deal for Thurston. It's going to help him uh, now. And uh, he'll have Michael Pittman for the next couple of years. Yeah. And like, especially if, if you think that, all right, let's say that Michael Thomas comes back healthy next year. Oh, right? yeah. Which... Probably should. There should be enough time that, regardless for how bad his injury is, like he should be back. We hope. Like Thurston is looking at a wide receiver core already of Cooper Cup, who is most likely going to be getting the re-sign, uh, Michael Thomas, and Michael Pittman, and like he'll probably be franchising uh, maybe what Damian Harris if Damian Harris is still the lead in the backfield. Maybe it'll be Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, or maybe he just resign or, or or franchises Jalen Hurts, um, 
I'd imagine he probably doesn't because he at least has the coverage of Tanhill on a pretty long deal um, there. So, uh, like, he's got a team that, like, has a shell next year that you can actually start tacking onto. And Thurston is a grinder. You know, he's the guy that is going to be finding. He's always finding the third round guys every fucking year. Like every draft, he just takes a stab in the third round and he finds a guy that like exceeds his value by at least a round and a half. Like that's just kind of what happens every year. So even if he doesn't have a first rounder this year, I'm sure that he's going to do well in, in the uh, later picks or in, uh, in for agency. Yeah. And I think sometimes it's it's almost more valuable to have like the 28th pick than the 19th pick because you have these tiers, right? And there's a fairly flat tier at a certain point and you're going to get somebody who falls and the pick in terms of its relative value, if you know what you're doing, like you can really just kill it in that region. And that's kind of what Thurston's MO has been since he's been in the league is just killing it with guys who shouldn't fall as far as they have. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how the new structure of the draft contracts really plays how into how people are, are drafting moving forward because now like you know you you would be committing guys to your roster if you're taking a third round pick on them so like you might be a little gun shy about shooting for the moon on a guy who's like the third running back in the backfield or something like that or maybe a defensive player or, or, or a backup quarterback or something like that but um the fact that so basically, like, they're not on fives anymore. So you're not going to be able to give a five, I don't think, to second or third round picks. They automatically will get a four-year rookie contract, which is freely cuttable. Um, but so I think that that will change the way that some – I just feel like you're going to see more swings. People are going to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and at some point, I think that with the way the contracts are structured now, a collection of threes – is more appetizing than a two as, l- as long as a two isn't like a borderline first round pick. Like, you know, I'd rather have like three picks in the mid thirties than something at like pick 22 or whatever, because those freely cuttable darts, like at the end of the day, none of us really know what we're doing. We have like pretty good guesses that we make, but like it does want to be in a crapshoot sometimes. So just like those extra darts, if you have the spot for it, I think, I think it's worthwhile. Yeah, I hear what you're saying there. Makes sense. I would still rather draft towards the top just because I'm not, uh, you know, I, I'm not that kind of guy. Like, I don't know who the hell these guys are in the third round, you know. So in my mind, if I'm drafting higher, you know, I have a closer shot at getting something that I think is valuable. Yeah, and you also you also have good players. So, like, you've got, you've got a pretty full team. So you don't have the large bench to really screw around with because you're sure. you've got your veteran you got your contending pieces there now if you're a rebuilding team and like you've got like you know 15 open spots on offense essentially like you know the quantity is probably more in your favor than just having one guy you know what i mean yeah that's true so that's kind of all the trades that we have to discuss i did want to talk about something uh near and dear to jimmy and i's heart so on the national side of the bracket, right now we have the three highest scoring teams as the top three teams in our in our conference. Um, it's a brutal slog. 
Jimmy and I have met in the playoffs for what, like five years in a row now? Yeah, it's like a tradition, yeah. Yeah, it's a tradition like unlike any other. Um, but that one seed on our side of the on our side of the bracket is so huge this year because we have the top three scoring teams, and then if <laughs> if you're able to get that one seed, you can face a bottom six scoring team in the league. Uh and I kind of think that's maybe why Jimmy is positioning himself the way he has been over the last few weeks in terms of just like making these these small upgrades to like maybe eke out an extra win because it's super important this year. And I, I kind of agree. And of course, Andrew's keeping pace with me. Me and Andrew are both nine and one, Jimmy's seven and three. Talk about your thought process this year on that one seed. Same as what I'm saying, or Yeah, exactly some- it. Um you know, I consider myself basically out of the race for number one seed. I'm pretty resigned to the fact that I'm going to be playing you or Linton first round. And, uh, I mean, it's it's going to have to happen at some point anyway. I'm going to play one of you guys. So it's like, all right, well, you know, might as well play them both. Uh, here's the thing, though. If, if I'm – I think if I was Dom or, or Jack, and it's basically a, two, a two-man race for that last spot. And I know – like Backel has a, a close record too, but his, I don't know if his team's ready enough for, um, you know, he's not a piece away. Whereas Dom or Jack, if they made a move or two somehow, like all you got to do is win. I mean, I mean, it sounds easy. All you got to do is win, get in and win three in a row. Um, I don't know, man. It's it, Maybe this is another conversation, but I don't know. I felt like guys gave up pretty quick this year, and, and maybe it's yeah. because of you and Linton, a nine and one, you know? So to that, I think that, and I have draft, like full disclosure. I have Jack's first round pick, so like I don't want him to to go on. But why I say that I don't think that he should versus Dom, and I don't think Dom should go all in. But like Dom is already a game ahead, and Dom has a much easier schedule. If you look at who Jack plays against over the next four weeks, he plays against the top scoring teams of the league like every week until he plays back at the end. He plays the Bros. He plays you. He plays Andrew Litton, and then he plays Backle. So it's like, realistically, like, I mean, unless something really changes on Jack's team, like, those are going to be tough, 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 tough uh, wins to, to eke out. Uh, now, maybe if Saquon's back, that kind of changes things for him a little bit. Uh, but then he still has uh, some pretty unimportant wide receivers in, in Ayuk. Uh, now, I, I, I could have seen Jack make that like Antonio Brown type deal because like the cost wasn't that expensive and for what you can get for it, maybe that would make sense. Uh, Because truly like if Jack's team does get healthy and if he does limp in, he could be dangerous. He would be more dangerous in the playoffs than the bros would be because he's got the actual bodies there. Uh, But the bros would be, you think? Sorry. I I meant the the, uh, degenerates. Yeah. Not the bros. Um, Jack, but, Jack has dealt a shitty hand from before the season even started, man. I felt day one. Fun. Probably no <laughs> more. I mean, I think Jack and Steve Ferrari should commiserate because they both have been pretty snake bitten by injuries. Like Steve uh, got K makers gone for the season. Yep. Jack got um, JK. JK Dobbins gone for the season. Steve got Calvin Rindley out with like mental stuff. And then Jack lost Saquon Barkley in the middle of the season. Like they're both um, just kind of have studs dropping like flies on them. Sucks, man. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I was 
as I've said before, I was super high on Jack's team this offseason. He kind of had like a, a who's who of guys who I thought were going to break out this year. And some of them did. Some of them have done absolutely nothing. Like the Brandon Ayuk thing is probably the most perplexing fantasy situation I've seen all year. Um, yeah. but I don't think anyone saw that come. But e- even so, like Jack still was able to – like he's got guys that are overperforming expectations. Like Deontay Johnson – when when he was drafted, like no one thought that he was going to be like a fourteen point per game wide receiver after what three years into his career or anything like that. Like he's developed into like a legit good wide receiver two, maybe low end wide receiver one in our league. So uh, I think that uh, the fact that he like it was almost like Deontay Johnson like monstered the ability out of out of uh, Ayuk a little bit, where. <laughs> Right, he's still getting production. It's just not exactly in the, in the player that he expected it to be. Yeah. Yep. And back to your um, original question, Mike, between me, you, Linton, um, it's going to be fun, man. I feel like it's the same couple teams every year, but even more so this year. It's like not just the three best teams in the conference. It's arguably the three best teams in the league, and it's going to be fun. Yeah, if there's a winner, whoever has whoever has to face you round one, if the, if that team wins the, the title, they would have really fucking earned it because they would have had to gone through you, they would or you would have had to gone through them. Then the winner would have had to gone through me or Litton, and then beaten a really good team on on the American side. Uh, just like a, you didn't get any round by like you sometimes would in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's talk about playoff positioning a little bit. Um, so right now, believe it or not, there's four teams that have a perfect record in division. They're 4-0. So that's going to cut out a lot of the tiebreak scenarios late in the season. Another weird wrinkle is <laughs> Thurston, his team is having this like team of destiny year. He's Crazy two ahead in the American for the number one seed. Um, I mean, certainly a Cooper Cup breakout season has helped him tremendously, but I think we should just dive into his team because he hasn't really had any success in the league and some of it is his fault. The majority of it isn't, but let's just dive in and and talk about why he's succeeding. Even if he is a little bit lower down on the point scored. Um, First and foremost, like I already said, Cooper cup is having like the best season of any wide receiver in the league. Um, Just like transcendent numbers. Like he could like break every receiving record in the NFL this year. If he continues to stay on this pace. Um, But I think a lot of it comes down to his drafting. Like he's got a lot of guys that are hitting this year, and I don't know if you guys want to talk a little bit about that. But, um, well, like you want to talk about Damien Harris with the third year breakout, Miles Gaskin, or what? Yeah, just like he's got like guys he's drafted late that are breaking through. Like Jalen Hurts was a third round pick, Damien Harris yeah. was a third round pick, Miles Gaskin was a free agent signing. Like, yeah, I, I think so. One thing for Jalen Hurts, I think Jalen Hurts is a big part of why he's successful this year. Uh, So obviously, yeah, you got Cooper cup who is, you know, breaking records and that's incredible. And that, that God, it's just dude, that's already on the radar. But the thing about Jalen hurts is, all right, maybe he's not a top three scoring quarterback in our league or whatever, but he, he is so consistent with his high floor. So like, I think he's got like the most QB one finishes of any quarterback in the league. Like right now, because yeah, he's got like nine QB1 finishes on the year. Yeah, I, I think we, we both saw the uh, same tweet earlier today or whatever earlier this yep. week of where basically, like, you know, you in our league, you got a 20 some point floor at quarterback, like at worst. 
Um, so that really like it makes it easier for him to eke out wins and stay competitive than like blowing your load one week. And you know, who the hell cares if you beat a guy by 70, like, you know, you're only going to get one win and it's going to get diluted over time during your, your total points to be a tiebreaker. Like it's more, you know, Jimmy was talking before about how much he values like consistency and reliable performance. When I think you were talking about, uh, was it Goddard? I think, um, and that's exactly yeah. what he's getting out of Hurts. For sure, uh, especially if, you, if you're getting that from the quarterback position, especially. Like, I, I, I basically lucked out, like, with Brady, right? Because who would have thought that he'd still be playing at 44? Now, I, I think uh, Mike and I made a trade a couple years ago. I'm thinking, like, all right, well, you know, he'll last for a season, and as long as he puts up, yeah. like, 20 points. I mean, the guy's friggin' – I think the last two years he's near the top in – uh, fantasy points per game. He's averaging like 32 points per game this year. And uh, consistency helps big time. I mean, especially when guys fucking friggin' scoring 30 points a game. But I mean, like for, for running back for, so for running backs, I look for the home run guys. And then I'm looking for consistency from, from wide receivers and, and tight ends that that's it. As long as you have a high, you have to know where your player's floor is, I think, you know, and, Yep. I want my guys to score between 10 and 12 points. If they're scoring under 10 points a week, they're probably not going to be on my team, you know? Yeah, and it's funny because I think we've had the same stance about Brady since this league started. Was it's like He could be a, a fill-in guy for a year or two. Literally, and- I literally had the same conversation with, with Jimmy before you, you joined the uh, podcast. Yeah. We, were, we were like talking off, off the show and literally whatever you're going to say is what I said. So keep, keep talking. About it. <laughs> no, it's like when we entered the league, he was 35 and he was still performing, but it's like, you know, I, you know, I want to go after this young guy, this guy, Robert Griffin, and maybe I'll have it, Tom Brady as my backup. And he's just like outlived everybody. He's like the fucking coelacanth. It's crazy. He, he's been like a push all your chips in. If you want to make a run for like one year player for, Every year that I've played Dynasty, and I've played Dynasty football for like fucking 12 years, something like that. It's <laughs> literally insane. And he's going to be a free agent because he's franchised right now. So, like, we're all going to have a chance to value what he's worth. And I wouldn't be surprised if 45-year-old Tom Brady goes for $100 fucking dollars. Like, <laughs> I literally wouldn't – because I'm just – I think we're all just burned on betting against Tom Brady. Like, we always lose. So, like – you know, maybe I'll be the person that's like holding the hot potato. That like, yeah, that's what's bro- gonna happen. The second somebody buys into him, the hot potato yeah. explodes in their hands. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's truly been been amazing. But but anyway, back back to uh, to Thurston's team. And I know we we have talked about it a little bit on some of the other pods. Like Cordero Patterson is such like <laughs> it is a cheat code for his team because like his team's needs change weekly because he's such a grinder that like he just plugs like. Like Cordero Patterson, it, like he's got like a sinking ship that is still in first place in a race, and CPAT is like his cork that he uses to plug whatever hole that, that's taking water at any point. But he is hurt now, so he had to he leave is. last week's game. So maybe is I don't he know how serious it is. I don't know. Yeah, uh, he's I mean, got him out of his lineup, so he's probably I, been reading up on. I it. think he just needs to win like one more game this season to like clinch the division. So like. As long as his guys are healthy at the end, I think that's really all that matters. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he's already guaranteed himself a winning record for the first time he's been in the league. And nuts. Is it the first time? Yeah. Wow. Dude, yeah, Cordero Patterson. Yeah. I, I mean, Nick, we were talking like 
I, I think I signed him as a free agent. I think I might have spent a dollar, oh, maybe yeah. three tops, something like that. Uh, caught him. You pick him up, trade him for a third, and this guy, uh, it, it's it's insane what he's doing. You get and you could put him at running back, wide receiver, and he's top. He's in a top five, or he was in the top five, and in each uh, position. I, I think, th- so the big lesson that I learned on Cordero Patterson is, all right, he wasn't getting a lot of snaps. He was playing 30% of the snaps, you know, for the mm-hmm. early part of the year. But, like, performance dictates your your opportunity sometimes. So, like, if you are producing at a high level with limited snaps, it is likely that you're going to earn a bigger role. Like, so... I think that no one should have assumed that 30-year-old Cordell Patterson was going to going to break out this year. But if you saw a player that was performing early in the year and so much better than everyone around them, we shouldn't be surprised that he became a bigger part of the offense. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that should have surprised us, his evolution within that system over the course of the season. That shouldn't have been a surprise. And that's one thing that I look back on, like, you know, for all the trades that I made this year, that's the one that I really regret because, you know, I really got nothing of significant value for a player that you probably uh, got my dog's eating the couch or something. Now. So I think we're also forgetting his snap count situation. Like to start the season, he was getting like a third of the snaps. On yeah, no, Atlanta. that's exactly what I said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was getting like 50% of the touches while he was in the game. So like literally like one out of two plays when he was playing, he was either getting a target or he was getting a carry. He had that game where he like he had three touchdowns on like literally like twenty four snaps, like just crushing it. And that was like the literally the week after you traded him, Nick. He had that three touchdown game where he mossed the guy in his last touchdown. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Maybe you could beat yourself up too much over that. I'm aware. <laughs> but like I think that would have like because like, you know, Debo and Debo's having a hell of a season. And I traded him away for like, you know, a, a first and an early two. Um, so I regret that, but like I at least got like value that I can like, you know, if I traded away Debo and I kept CPAT, like I'd be fine. Like you know that I'd feel ecstatic for for how how my how my moves worked out. Uh, but you know, like credit for Thurston, like he was willing to throw a dart on a guy that dude. I I shopped him to everyone, and like you know, no one was was willing to give me like I think. I think one person offered me like a third round pick or something like that. And the first thing gave me two threes, but then I had to take on a contract. I literally took on a two year deal or whatever, just to unload CPAT because I didn't believe that. Like I, I thought it was fool's gold and I, I was, I was the fool in the end. I love doing that. Yeah. yeah I'll give you the guy you want, but help me out with this. <laughs> hey, I'll scratch your back. You scratch my back. Yeah. Um, any, any others to go over? Um, the only other thing I was thinking of is maybe if you guys wanted to do this, like kind of look at the contenders and then maybe point out, you know, their, their biggest flaw and their biggest strength. If you guys are interested. I like that. I do want to talk about the, the lottery change at some point. So yeah, I still want yeah, that yeah. to Let's be do that now pod. before we get into that. Okay. So Wait, so you, you actually want to stuff first. Okay. All right. So, uh, to rehab, let me pull up the, the, uh, posts on it. Yeah, so basically, um, so we've been talking this offseason, so we saw that we had a little bit of a tanking issue again, and it seems like it's probably for the highest waiver pick. And we talked about, you know, my, my initial reaction was, like, all right, well, how do we fix it for, for that? Like, how do we apply duct tape on it to fix the tanking for this? 
Um, and then Steve really pushed back on it a lot of where he really challenged us to rethink the way that we handle tanking in general. So like the, the pick swaps and everything. All right. It's like, all right, if let's, let's take everything we know now and go back to the drawing board and see if we can come up with a better system because, you know, we do kind of turn into like an oppressive authoritarian regime where like we're locking rosters and we're starting people like, you know, we don't, we don't want to do that. Like no, none of us want to be doing that, like that heavy handed approach, but we just want like people to actually start legitimate players and like, even like, I don't want, I don't want to go up against someone like and have it be a bye week Like there should be no bye weeks in fantasy. Like I want someone actually trying to beat me. Like, you know, not in the elite league. Yeah. You know, like, so it's really, and you can't really blame someone for, for doing what's in the best interest of their team, because that's what, that's the way that the rules are, are structured. So that, you know, but the way that I, I always view it is like, all right, like if, if I, if I want the mouse to do, do something the way I want them to do it, I need to move the cheese appropriately. So like, you just need to incentivize people the right way so that the thing that they're actually working for and they're trying to do, like, it actually creates the behavior that you're, that you're trying to, to, to cultivate um, with, within the league. So really we went back to the drawing board and we're like, all right, so if we do the lottery system, something like that, now, what, what kind of problems does lottery systems have? Because lottery systems aren't perfect. Like, the NBA has a, has a lottery system. And if you saw the trash that the Sixers put on the court for, like, four years or whatever, like, it's it's insane. Like, so, it even, like, people can tank for just better odds. Even if it's not, not 100%, like, you still have something to improve your chances on. So, that was one thing that, that we wanted to consider is, all right, how do we still incentivize people the right way so that the egregious type of tanking, which is really the whole reason why we started all these changes in the first place was like starting retired players and, you know, scoring like a third of what everyone else was like that kind of stuff. How do we make it so that doing that would actually be in your, your worst interest? And then also how do we, you know, cause one thing that people would always, uh, always complained to me about anyway, was um, not being able to trade for their own first round pick. Like having, cause you might have someone that like has the makings of a deal with them and you're like, all right, well I can't even make this deal because they have my pick and I can't get that in return. So you need to go and try to get a willing party to go and swap. And it becomes this whole thing. So um, how do we kind of put the power back into the hands of the owners so that they can run the teams the way they want to, but give them the proper incentives to run their team competitively. And uh, that is uh, my long winded backstory on how we got to, to, to what we have. Uh, yeah. And, and, and another part of it is the richer teams are continuing to get richer from the current scheme. Like I've gotten a much better pick than I would have had every single year that this system has been in place. Like this year I got, Tucci's pick at the time because we both had made the semifinals the year that these picks were distributed and now his, t- his team's kind of fallen off so I'm going to have a top three pick this year probably just based on how our system's set up and this shouldn't be making the richer teams yeah. richer it should be yep. giving teams the opportunity to get better through their draft picks yep so breaking down the actually I guess before before we break down um, because when we did announce this I think I 
there was a bit of, of an alarm. I probably didn't do a good job of like explaining it too much because I did kind of all caps it, big changes coming, like the world's on fire. And then there was some pushback. But so the reason why I announced it before giving all of the, all of the particulars was because uh, we've had scenarios where people have been making gentlemen's agreements for picks that aren't available yet. So once we, once the commissioners decided that this is what we're going to do, we didn't want other people including the 2025 picks in negotiations right now, while we already had this kind of decided on uh, because that this could ultimately change how you would have valued those picks. So it's like, all right, let's announce it now before anyone does any kind of like unofficial, you know, dealing in the background for, for stuff that would, that would ultimately be impacted by our changes, but just so that they would know that it's coming but then we would explain it once we really worked out all of the all the kinks on it. The problem was we didn't explain it at all. We just said like, hey, we're making this change. So like, don't trade those picks or do anything like that. And it was like, well, uh, th- this is going to be this is going to be terrible. Uh, you're going to have people colluding left and right and people are going to be starting their grandma a kicker. Like, Well, I think I think the main issue seemed to be that there was the, the misconception that the, the commissioners would have discretion over whether you're trying or not. Yes. Yes. We don't want, we don't want to control like anything people do. Like we honestly, it's time consuming. We get so much shit for it that like, it's not worth <laughs> Like I don't want to control, I don't want to control who you start. Like you should be able to make that decision and I shouldn't have to like judge whether or not you're trying. And this is what the system is hoping to eliminate. Yeah. So really the only people getting hurt each week are the people with the lowest score in the league. Yep. And so, yeah, so that uh, gets us into like the actual, I guess, before we go on the mechanics, Jimmy, so what questions or concerns did you have about this before we explained how it was going to work? Uh, really none. I figure, you know, whatever the changes are, it's, it's a fun league, you know, and uh, I mean, lottery balls and stuff like that, I think makes it more fun. So... Yeah, like I imagine us being in Dom's basement, getting yeah. loaded, and like I'm pro you know, fun, like live live streaming it, and like have it be something to uh, get get excited about. Yeah, let's um, let's have fun. It, one thing it will be harder to do is trade for um, higher picks because guys aren't going to want to you know trade their picks because they know what they're doing with their team. I think they're going to. You would imagine that guys can project what their team's going to look like in the next year or so, so they might not want to give up. Um, their own pick because they control it, you know? Yeah. And I, I think it's going to be, yeah, like the really crappy rebuilding teams probably aren't going to be trading away their ones. Uh, think, yeah. But the teams that maybe are contending will be, will trade them away as normal, but like they're going to be, you know, maybe you like barely miss the playoffs and suddenly like that pick could become anywhere within that, that, you know, top eight. Um, granted, the likelihood that it's early is, is, is going to be very, very small, but um, that still can happen. Um, so to go into how the, the breakdown of it works is basically, you know, everyone starts with a certain number of lottery balls based upon their seeding of the, the bottom eight teams in the league. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm not going to go into each individual number, but like you start with, with a shit ton of balls. If, if you're in last place, and then you go all the way down to zero balls if you are the final team that just barely missed the playoffs. Uh, 
And uh, so for a lot of those guys on the on the the bottom, there's you know there might be one ball difference in between, so it's very small. Um, but it is skewed heavily towards like the bottom, you know, bottom, bottom two, bottom, bottom three teams. Um, now for every win that you get, you will get an additional ball. So every win that you get increases your odds of, of getting that number one pick. Um, and if you are the lowest scoring team on the league, you lose, uh, what is it? Five balls. And that five balls, that is the difference between any, like any two, like there is no, there is no gap between the worst team and second worst team or second and third that is bigger than that five ball penalty. So like you're automatically sliding yourself down at least one level with, within your, 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 uh, your probability. Right. And then uh, if you don't get any wins on top of it, you're, you're not getting any any of the bonuses for, from from those 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 uh, one ball per per win, and then finally because you know for the last three three weeks of the season that's kind of when the dust is settled about like who's made the playoffs and who isn't, and people might just start shuffling for better better seating um, and like you know more advantageous draft lottery projections or percentages. Um, for that each of those weeks, if you are the lowest scorer. That week, uh, you lose a ball. Uh, so, and in a lot of cases, that's the difference between you moving down. So, like, there's no reason you'd actually be be more incentivized to try to win and get that extra ball than purposely trying to lose, accidentally be the lowest scoring team in the, in the league that week, and then you actually lose exactly what you would have gained uh, in the opposite way. Uh, now, it's, it's a lot of way to explain it and. It doesn't really work well over audio, but I did want to talk about it. So if you want to see it broken out, the best way to do it is is go and look at that message board post that, that I made um, a while ago. This was what early, like November 5th. Uh, it's called Lottery Systems, Lottery Systems Specifications. It has images on it if you look at it on the actual desktop site. Uh, I don't know if you'll be able to see it well on mobile. But you could actually see it broken down and the percentages. So, like, if you're a team that is like, you know, truly trying to tank, like egregious shit, like you'll wind up with potentially the third best odds at number one pick. You you're still giving yourself a chance, but like, you know, you might have like a ten percent less chance than a team that is just as bad as you, but is actually giving a shit. Um, so generally speaking, like if you are a bottom feeder, bad team, it is going to be in your advantage, um, to actually try. And it's really in everyone's advantage to, to, to try because you get those balls for winning. You don't want to be the lowest scoring team because that really, um, really handicaps your, your, like, it could even be at a point where if you're the lowest scoring team in the league and you're like the seven seed or whatever, like you might have a 0% chance, you know, <laughs> like, like the, uh, really, uh, depending on on how many how many wins you have, um, of, of getting getting the number one. Um, so yeah, it's really just we're trying to incentivize people to give a shit and keep it competitive, keep it fun for everyone, and also we'll have another fun thing to to uh, to to look forward to another fun league event, and this will also dictate the the waiver. So not just for for the draft, but for for the waiver order as well. Um, yeah, that's, that's about all I, all I have on that, right? 
I think it's going to be interesting to see how it changes the way uh, people trade. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if we see as many, you know, big time, uh, you know, top pick trades as we as we see now. I think that I think that we will because I thought that way about the the contracts too, hmm. like the rookie contracts. I thought, like, man, we're going to see the value of draft picks ultimately really change because they're getting these pre-built contracts and stuff like that. And I haven't really seen much of a difference in the way that people are valuing players and trading them. Now, ultimately we haven't actually seen the ramifications of any of those contracts. So it's like, it hasn't really come to fruition, but we haven't reached the point where like we are trading picks that are already have five years and four year deals attached to them. So that is factored in, but, um, I think really what, what you're going to see is you're going to see the teams that are um, are like actively rebuilding. You're going to see them cling to their first-round picks like their life depended on them. But the problem <laughs> is a lot of these rebuilding teams that we find are replacement teams that come and replace other owners. Hmm. So they might not have that first-round pick already because they're taking over from a team – that was trying to compete what you know was doing stuff and then traded that away in the process like um so yeah i i am i'm also curious to just to see the 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 actual fallout for how it it winds up working in the wild you know yeah um mike do do you have anything no i think it'll end up you know, running both ways. Like a lot of people will try and use it as a negotiating tactic. It's like, this could be the number one pick. Like it's got the fifth best odds of it right now. I mean, yeah. this guy's probably going to win at least one more game and blah, blah, blah. So I think it'll go both ways. I don't think it'll change things too, too much, but I think yeah, it will I mean, give people some feeling of control over the team that they yeah. feel like they lack right now. I mean, if you hear with, I mean, if you talk to like the new owners, they're like, I can't believe I can't get my own pick. Like this team sucks. Like, yeah, I'm, I got just it. It really does handicap new owners, and most teams who leave the league leave the league for a reason because they haven't had success and they haven't really left themselves with much to to work with. So, yeah. So, um, I, I really, for a moment, like just that that effort penalty that we we're talking about, it is very significant. Like for your for your for your chances to affect your probability. So, what I th- my goal for what to happen is that you wind up creating this kind of race to the middle for the bottom teams because, like. No one is going to want to be holding that standing of, of, of the lowest scoring team in the league. Um, so they're going to be kind of trying to beat each other a little bit. And as one person in the bottom improves to, to, to try to get better, the lowest scoring team will then try to improve. to come. So it just kind of raises the overall competitiveness, um, even for, for the teams that are kind of out of it, so to speak. Um, at least that's the the goal for for how 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 it's going to work out. And ultimately, like if 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 you're content with just taking the third best odds and like tanking every fucking week, like I think we're at a point where it's like do it. You know, like it's it's your team. Run it the way you want. We're not gonna we're not gonna slap anyone on the wrist. But like we're just trying to incentivize teams to try and always make it that trying to to play fantasy football this year is going to help you win a championship faster than not trying to play fantasy football. That's kind of the goal, you know, for sure. 
Um, okay, so we're probably good to to pivot off of the the lottery stuff. Do you want to talk about the the playoff stuff that you were you were bringing up earlier? Sure. Uh, I think we just kind of talk about where the the best teams are situated well and where they're not situated well. We've already kind of talked about Thurston's team, so I think we could skip through his. But I think uh, we should just kind of sort it in order of the teams with the highest score. Uh, the next team on this list, in you know sorting it by that, would be Olson. So Olson. I, I think he's got some pretty high-end producers, and he's made a lot of moves to position himself for this playoff run uh, in a weakened American conference. Like the number one seed's Thurston, whose team, you know, is in the middle of the pack scoring wise, uh, and you have the Bros who might not make the playoffs. Like this is a pretty opportune time to situate yourself for a playoff run, which is kind of what he's done. That happened in that division last year, I think, too, where. Uh, Christian had a high amount of. I think he might have been in the top three in points, and he, he was the highest number one, team. yeah, highest scoring team, and he missed the playoffs last year. Yep, he's just snake bitten after uh, winning the championship a couple years ago. Yeah, he's he's had some bad luck. Uh, I don't think he's won a playoff game since he 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 won the championship, believe sure. it or not, which was twenty eighteen. That's rough, man. After all those uh, couple years stockpiling all those picks too. Yeah, they traded a lot of picks this year for guys that they're not getting production out of. Like Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry was running train. Yeah, well, yeah. So, uh, what was it? Three, three ones or something like that for for Julio, something close to that. Uh, two ones and Mike Williams, who two at the beginning of the year that looked really bad. And Julio, what he's at on IR with a hamstring injury right now. Well, Julio like is that. like permanent IR at this point. Yeah, he's got like old man soft soft tissue stuff happening right now. And it's yep. a shame because he's Julio, so you want you expect him to still be Julio, but like his just his body isn't what it used to be. Um, and then so on top of that, Derrick Henry was running train, was like league wrecking, crazy, and now he's he's gone gone for this year. Now I, I thought he'd get dinged eventually. That was kind of the point for why I would uh, trade him away. I didn't think he would break his foot and like in the middle of like a uh, another historic run that he was on. But the the biggest thing was Allen Robinson, man. Like you're get like you can't even start him, and they they traded three first rounders, something like that. Uh, and it's tough. Like Thielen was was an absolutely great trade, and they didn't really have to give much. Like they, they gave up Juju Smith Schuster on IR on a was he a one year deal, two year deal, something like that. Um, yeah, that was yeah, that was a really nice trade for them. Yeah, so like that, and like you're able to get production there versus like for almost free, essentially. Like Juju, like we had a very very small market um, versus uh, versus those reasons. But but really, the problem is like they don't have assets to really improve their team right now. So they've got good players, right? They've got you know Pat Mahomes who's crushing it. They've got Mark Andrews, who's crushing it. Probably the third highest scoring, um, third highest scoring tight end. I think Mahomes might be the number one quarterback. I think he finally over overtook Brady this week. They've got like they had two of the top scoring running backs in the league. Uh, now they needed a like bona fide wide receiver to crush it alongside of Nuke. Like I'm sure Nuke is going to improve. Like, uh, but like. They don't have anything to really, to really give at this point, and that, that's why. And don't worry, Olson. We will talk about your team eventually. <laughs> yeah, but like, but that's the thing. Like, Olson had Olson had stuff to make these moves at the deadline to add Antonio Brown, 
to add Stefan Diggs. Um, so flexibility is very important. Um, and that's why, you know, I, I was even on team flexibility for myself. I just expected, I didn't expect to do a full like rebuild this year. Like I thought that like I would limp through the first few weeks and then like find out what I need and then go get it. But like, once I went 0-3 in the division, I'm like, well, I'm fucked. Like, you know, like I, I can't come back from that within this division. Like, you know. Um, but yeah, team flexibility always. Yeah. And then what we have, what's what's the other team you want to talk about? No, Jimmy sounded like you said you wanted to say something. What's no, your... I was just gonna comment on how you know you see like the little stupid moves that I'm making. I wouldn't be able to, you know, plug those holes if I didn't have you know, I mean, it's, I called spare parts, but I didn't have seconds and thirds laying around. Couldn't make some of those trades. Yeah. And just always making deals regardless of need, because I mean, you didn't need AB, you didn't need uh, some of these guys you added in the off season, but I think you saw them as bi-week replacements. You saw them as injury replacements. You saw them as guys you might move at some deadline. point in the season. So exactly. this is where those flexibility is kind of baked in. You might not have a need, but a deal's a deal, man. You might not need that second car, but somebody's giving it away to you. Your neighbor doesn't really want yeah, it anymore. It up a little bit. Yeah. Like yeah. bucks. I can fix and, this thing up. And like that, that's why I traded for Darius Leonard. Like I was out of it. Like I'm I'm out of this year, but like the cost for Darius Leonard was just like I'll I'll give I'll like I'll give you that. And I'll either figure out a way to, to make it work or I'll go find someone that'll give me more than I paid for it. And hey, classic example, real quick. Um you know, you mentioned earlier how you, you valued a handful of threes over a second-round pick. You know, I ended up getting Melvin Gordon and uh, Khalil Mack from you for a bunch of thirds. And then I turn around and trade Melvin Gordon for a second. I didn't I didn't really need Melvin Gordon. But I'm like, hey, you know what? People are going to be asking Nick for him. Let me see. We, I mean, we went back and forth for a little while there, just sending trades back. That was probably yeah. It was, like, it was fun. It was like official <laughs> trade offers on fan tracks, and yeah. there'd be like you know thirty picks in each offer. Yeah, they're just <laughs> like give me every piece of shit that you have. I'm like, let me let me see if I can pry Melvin Gordon from Nick's uh, Nick's hands over here, and then I'll try to turn around and see if anybody needs a running back. I ended up getting a second for him. A little bit further down the road, I flipped the second and. Dan Arnold and uh, made a slight upgrade at tight end for Dawson Knox, who I'm, I may need, you know, especially this week with Goddard out with the concussion. And uh, it got uh, Knox and uh, Allen looked pretty good there for a little while during the early part of the season. So, you know, yeah. like you're probably not going to get the yardage with Knox, but like he's a pretty strong bet for a tight end uh, for, for a touchdown any week. So like, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, and Just especially like come playoffs, you might get like a multi-touchdown game from a tight end. Like, that's mm-hmm. kind of like a, a pretty significant edge to your matchup. Yeah, and sure. it's fun. It's just fun to trade, you know. It is fun to trade, Jimmy. I'm actually <laughs> wait wait on 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 a trade right now. Uh, Jake is is uh, sweating me out all freaking day. So. Um, oh, interesting. You can break a trade on trade? here. Get some live <laughs> I, analysis. I, I'd be very surprised. This is like I offered it to him uh, four hours, four and a half hours ago, uh, but. I mean, I know I will get a decision one way or another uh, within the next, what, two and a half hours? Is that how this time works out? Yep. Yeah, something so, like that. A little less than so two and a half, but yeah. We'll see. I'm not very optimistic, but it would be pretty cool. Yes, yeah, the be next team be, I think is... be a lot cooler if you did. Yeah, a lot cooler <laughs> if you did, man. Uh, next team I think is a contender that we could talk about is, is Blanco's team. Uh, he's kind of dealt with 
a rash of running back injuries. I'd say he was one of the deeper teams coming into the season, and that depth has kind of been evaporated away by a combination of guys underperforming and injuries. Um, I don't know if you guys want to take this, but he's, he's uh, got a lot of talent, but he's he's kind of been underperforming a little bit. I just do want to mention that I'm going to edit this so that you just said Planko's been dealing with a rash, and then I'm going to cut out everything you said after rash, that. Rash, rash, <laughs> rash, rash. <laughs> Yeah, I lo- uh, I liked Blanco's team. I, I when he made that trade for George Kittle, I'm like, all right, well, he's really going for it this year. And mm-hmm. when you looked at his team, it was like there's there's no weakness here. The only thing he needed, he needed um he needed his running backs to to be consistent and and not get hurt. And unfortunately, Edwards Hilaire got hurt, and Ronald Jones is just in the permanent doghouse in Tampa Bay. I think I heard something this week that uh, Dalvin Cook has had like the most. He's been down like 11 times inside the two-yard line this year, and it's like by far the most in the NFL. So I think he's kind of got a breakout game coming in the next few weeks, especially that seems like Minnesota's starting to turn around. But yeah, his running backs have been rough. I made a pretty sizable offer this offseason for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and you know sometimes the best deals you make are the ones you don't make. Yeah, and I think also with Planko, like uh, he's got Mike Williams starting for him. It looks good because you see that point per game, but like – Mike Williams had like five games to start the season that he was like gangbusters. And like, I don't know if he's done anything since then. Like I think he's, I have the stats off the top of my head. He, in weeks one through five, he was the wide receiver two in weeks six through 10. He was the wide receiver 80. Yeah. He he can't have a sharper drop off than his first five to his last five. He, he hasn't broken seven points in any of the last four games. Um, so it's truly been feast or famine. It's been it's been very streaky for him. So he needs Mike Williams to look a lot more like early season Mike Williams than than this uh, this this uh, mid season guy. Yeah, and he's he even has he's got good depth at receiver too. I yeah. mean, we were we had conversations earlier in the year like who who's who has more receiving depth because I never had receiving depth like I like I did this year. And you look at his bench; he's got Jarvis Landry, Brandon Cooks, and and T Higgins, all kind of underperforming. Well, I, year, I, I think, think I think Brandon Cooks might be the most underrated fantasy mm. player like in the league, like especially because like they suck so bad there in in Houston. Like, but if you were to tell me that you've got a twenty eight year old wide receiver that's putting up almost twelve fantasy points a game that has like a history of like breaking a thousand yards like every year in his career, essentially that he's healthy, like he should be more more attractively league wide than he is, but like. No one ever knocks on Brandon Cooks. No one like, no, no one, no one ever talks about him. Maybe I should send him an offer for Brandon Cooks. <laughs> Maybe you should. Yeah, he's starting to finally get to uh, somewhat of an older age. I think he's like twenty-seven or twenty-eight now. But yeah, he's just so consistent. But he's just always in like the the most unsexy of positions, like the the Texans' number one wide receiver. It it seems awful, but it's been pretty uh, productive this year. Surprisingly, I'm gonna send him an offer. <laughs> for cooks right now you better hope you, he's still awake uh do you want to know what i offered yes uh yes 2024 second round pick thurston oh no you're not he's gonna not gonna do that, that. you don't think like, so we're, we're talking about contenders now he's this is a guy he actually he relies on yeah well i'm, I'm poking so we'll see i'm i'm sure regardless i'll, I'll get i'll get an, an answer on this earlier <laughs> yeah, he's gonna say what the hell is that <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, in terms of weaknesses, I think we kind of highlighted it. His, his running back two right now is, is kind of a mess. He's, he's starting Gio Bernard. He's, he's 
I mean, he's got Melvin Gordon as well, Ronald Jones. He's got he's got Clyde Edwards-Helaire. He needs somebody to step up in order for him to win a title this year. I think so. For him to win a title, he needs a Javante Williams injury. He needs yeah. Javante Williams to get hurt and Melvin Gordon to take over the lion's share of touches. Now he's already the one A there, but he needs him to be like the only option. And I think that could could be enough to elevate his team um, into serious serious uh, postseason contention. Here's the thing, like with with your guys' conference, I mean that the first year I won, uh, the first year I won the league, I had Kareem a backup Kareem Hunt as a running back, and I think I made it through the season with Tariq Cohen. Now, I mean, I know my division was weak that year, but. Um, I feel like he can get away with, you know, a running back with Dalvin Cook and then, um, you know, one of these other guys he has. Melvin Gordon's a good example, I guess, who's putting up between 8 and 12 points a game. But you need your you need your receivers to be consistent. Um, I mean, I think he fills – maybe the points he's missing with the running back, he could be able to fill it with George Kittle. I mean, the guy's a monster. Yeah, I, th- I think – so the problem for me with Kittle is just health. And, I, and I've, I've really brought – like – beating it to, to a drum already on the podcast before is like, I think that like Kittle is the most impressive tight end in the league. Like, I think that he's like per play, he's incredible and he does everything that you want a tight end to do if you're an NFL coach. But like he tries too hard in the blocking game, which makes him an effective blocker, but it also like gets him really beaten up and kind of like Gronk dealt with this too. Like Gronk was, it was an outstanding blocker too, but like, that physicality, it like it wears on your body after time, and you you have guys that are like, you know, Travis Kelsey that like doesn't block for shit. Like he's running pass routes like on on every on every passing play. Like those guys just they're not gonna gonna take the same beating that a guy like Kittle is. But when he's healthy, which it seems like he is right now, he just got back, and thankfully, you know, Planko's his team is is in a, a contention position, like. Yeah, a healthy George Kittle is probably the second best tight end in the league to have for the rest of the season. It's probably him and then Mark Andrews and then you could maybe Hawkinson or something like that. Yeah. Soon it'll it'll be Pitts though. I'm sure of it. <laughs> he's he's knocking, he's right there. He just needs needs to start catching some uh, touchdowns. You think Hawkinson's a better tight end to have right now than Kelsey or Waller? No. Okay. Oh, so like I'd even bother mentioning Kelsey because he's the number one. Uh, okay. Do I think that you, I'd probably rather have Hawkinson right now than Waller, just for like the rest of the season? Not because I think that he's a better player, but just because like Waller has really struggled the past past few weeks. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. What I'm saying, I'm just coming back because you said the only guys I'd rather have than Kittle right now are are at or. Andrews and Hawkinson. And that's uh, what yeah, no. And, no, no. It, it, so what I, what I said was, uh, I'd rather have Kittle more than those other guys. Okay. So if, if that's not what I said, that's what I meant anyway. Got it. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's still Kelsey or Bust at, at tight end one. I'm not, I, I, I dare not of, uh, offend the... <laughs> Thank you, good sir. <laughs> um, and... Who else are, are we, we going to talk about? I think uh, Jake would be the next one based on points. Uh, Jake, I would not want to face in the playoffs because his team has really been held down due to injuries. 
And now he's going to have like the, a fully operational Death Star with yeah. Lamar, Devo, Devontae, David Montgomery, Christian McCaffrey, and I mean, Jerry Judy, maybe. We'll see. Um, and, we'll see. And, and Higby. He's got a dangerous team. He's a team that like any week probably has the highest ceiling in the league. Yeah, he's got probably the best running back in the league, Chris McCaffrey. He's got an MVP candidate quarterback and Lamar Jackson. Debo Samuel is outperforming everyone's expectations. He's like, if it, if it wasn't for Cooper Cup right now, we'd just be talking about how insane Debo Samuel's uh, season has been. But uh, and then he's got the, the last dance going on with Devonte Adams uh, paired up <laughs> with 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 uh, Aaron Rodgers. So it's like. You know, I don't. I don't know what's going to happen with with Adams. I don't know if he's going to be signed there. I, I kind of expect that he's that he's not. Um, but he he's not going to have a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. I mean, even if he does somehow, if if there is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers, he's not going to have that mind meld that he and Rodgers have developed. You know, over you know what eight years of chemistry or however long they've been playing together. Like they look at each other and they know that all right. Like I'm going to just throw it to you like a three yard out right now. Like, um, no. So like, he's definitely, you know, he's, he's got the horses healthy right now. Uh, and one player that's, that's worth mentioning on offense room is Hunter Renfro. Uh, that's like kind of like a free guy. Like I don't know. He, he might've been like a free agent, like mid season. Uh, no, he, he was, he was a $5 acquisition in the free agent auction. Uh, and like, Renfro is like outperforming like some of my really good receivers that like I've had on my team. Like I think the difference between like Hunter Renfro and Keenan Allen this year from a fantasy standpoint is like maybe half a point per game, you know, something like that. Um, yeah, it's pretty nuts. But uh, outside of that, his defense is probably the only thing that like he doesn't really have a difference maker on defense right now. Uh, except uh, for TJ Watt. Watt. Yeah, yeah. TJ Watt should show up right now. Yep. Um, but yeah. Dude, I'm looking at his team, and maybe it's because whenever I look at his team, somebody's on the injured reserve, like McCaffrey's over, over there or whoever. That's a scary team, man. Yeah. I, I, when, he, when, when he traded for Debo Samuel, I was kind of like, wow, I wish I knew that guy was available. Like, What do you, you mean? Know, was, <laughs> Everyone like, really knew Debo was available. <laughs> Like I would have traded for him. No, I, like, I, I, I guarantee. Uh, after after this pod's over, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna go find some receipts, and I'm gonna go. It's <laughs> like there is one thing that I know that I do, and it's I will go to everyone. So I was like, like geez, what did I do to Nick? I didn't even know he was up for, to be traded. No, there. Did we get no, traded twice? The the only the only way that I could have possibly not shopped Debo to you would have been if I saw how stacked your wide receivers already were. Because you yeah. would have had CD Lamb, you would have had um, what's his face, uh, Chris Godwin, and then uh, Justin Jefferson. So I might have considered that, like maybe you, a good wide receiver. But like, would you would you have offered more than a first rounder for Debo when you already had all that? You, you got um, more than that for him. And let's let's not like yeah. we're all being a little revisionist in our history here. Like people were not super high on Debo this year. Like they were, yeah. they were much higher on Ayuk. Like as a, an industry in general. And like Debo was like a guy who's going in like seventh, eighth round of redraft leagues. He wasn't like, he wasn't what he is. Let's be real. Yeah. Maybe. And he's also, he's also getting used differently this year. They're actually using him downfield a little bit. Last year, 
his average depth of target was negative. So like <laughs> he like only touched the ball at behind the line of scrimmage. Like he had more he had more yards after contact than he had or so he had he had more yards after the catch than he had receiving yards. That's almost fucking impossible. It's crazy. That's um, crazy. But yeah, he he, he absorbed uh, Ayuk's soul and I love his team. It, that's a scary team. If if I'm in that conference and I got to play Jake, I, I'm feeling like I need to get lucky. Yeah, you know, and team. I think his biggest weakness is probably how fragile his team is. Like he doesn't have yeah. great depth, and all of his guys, for the most part, have had injury histories that are pretty significant. So, yeah. So to so to that, I think that he did one very good move, and it's he traded for Khalil Herbert. So. Herbert performed very well when Montgomery was out. So he's actually got insurance there in case Montgomery goes down. Now, if McCaffrey goes down, he's screwed. Um, he yeah. would be forced to start, you know, one of the Philadelphia running backs, essentially, that is in Miles Sanders. Uh, so I think he, he can weather a Montgomery injury. But if C-Mac is gone, I, I think so is, is Jake's uh, championship aspirations. For sure. I think that's fair. Uh, the next team on the points list here is Christian's team. Um, so, I mean, they've been decimated by injuries. They've been decimated by underperforming uh, assets. They do still have some pretty awesome home run hitters, though. They've got Patrick Mahomes. They've got Austin Eckler. They've got uh, Mark Andrews. They, I think, in they my eyes, still they need- they, like, they need they, some turnaround. They, they need Odell to become a, a legit threat. They need somebody to step up in the second, you know, the final third of the season. Yep. I think that's the, the if if they win this, this year somehow, it'll be because Odell gelled um, in in uh in Los Angeles. And like they got lucky that that, that Robert Woods injury happened because like I don't know what his role in that offense was going to look like when you're you have Cooper Cup that's like yeah no you're right you know, like just absolutely untouchable with that connection with Stafford and then Robert Woods is like Mister Reliable it's like all right you suddenly you've got to support three mouths and one of them you know is eating at like a record pace like but because Woods Woods is out like and I think we saw a very false glimpse into what to expect from Odell. Uh, last week because I mean he he, he didn't, didn't even know the playbook he was there for like two days like they, they they threw him out there for you know seven plays or something like that like give him give him time give him a bye week to actually like you know get on the same page a little bit Matt Stafford's number two wide receiver is certainly a hell of a lot better than Al Robinson's been for them and if that's their wide receiver three uh you know it doesn't even need to be as good as a wide receiver three because they've got Mark Andrews right now performing at a wide receiver two, wide receiver three level. So as long as your third wide receiver is performing about as good as your competitors tight end, like you'll be fine. So like if, if they can get like Goddard type production out of, out of OBJ, that puts them on par at least offensively with some of the best teams in the playoffs. Now, they really struggled on defense, and I, I think that if yeah. like where they've really fallen off so this year, much into their yeah. defense too. Yep, like they don't have anyone on defense that is very far over ten points per game. 
they're basically 10 point per game players all through defense, which really is what anyone has if they're trying at all. Like that's like the minimum of effort that you would kind of get from that. Uh, but if, if you're, if you're trying to make like a run run, you need, you need those like 14, 15 point linebacker heavy hitters. You need like a 12 point per game safety or something like that. Uh, there's like real difference makers that, that boost your, your weekly floor because you know, your wide receiver is not going to catch uh, 80 yards and a touchdown every week. Like you need that kind of floor and that spike production from, from your, from your IDPs to really, uh, really get after it. Um, that being said, like they're still the fourth highest scoring team in the league, but they should, they should probably be the highest scoring team in the league because they've got like the number one player in like every position except for like a collection of their wide receivers are a little underwhelming. Uh, but it's really their their defense right now that I, I think is letting them down. Yeah, I mean, I think they're they're not as good as their point production because Derrick Henry's out. Like Derrick Henry was like by far the best non quarterback in the league while he was healthy. Yeah, but like they're not replacing him with the scrub. You he's, know, like I mean, he, he hasn't played in like what three weeks, and he's still the second ranked yeah. non quarterback. <laughs> yes. So. It's, you know, it's definitely like they've been handicapped a little bit by, by losing Derrick Henry. I'm not sure recruiting that, but it's not like they're, they're putting in, you know, some random third down back to, to try to, to, to fill a hole. Like they're putting in Josh Jacobs who would start for like, you know, 70% of the teams in, in, in our league, at least as an RB2. So uh, I think they're, they're fine at running back. They're just not steamrolling the league like, like they, they would have been earlier in the season. For it's sure. like a team of uh, who's who's. I mean, he's got Odell Beckham and, and Julio Jones on the bench. He's got Derrick Henry on the IR, and he can still, you know, field a, an above-average roster, better than most teams in the league, you know. I think if if, if Allen Rock – I don't think it's going to happen this year, but if Allen Robinson was producing the way he'd expect, he would still have a very dangerous team. I mean, he's got Pat, Pat Mahomes and Austin Eckler. They can go off, you know, every week. DeAndre Hopkins, same thing. Mark Andrews, you mentioned, has a high floor. You know what you're going to get from him. Um, just the, the only question mark really is is Allen Robinson. That sucks. It's, it was a big trade for him. I think I think the problem with Allen Robinson is Allen Robinson is the second best wide receiver on a low low passing volume offense. Like mm-hmm. Mooney is their wide receiver one there. Like he he is their their top guy, and they don't have the play at quarterback where they can really take advantage. Or really, their number one guy really isn't like crushing it. Uh, but they're they certainly don't have the the volume to be able to distribute to two players right now. Uh, so I'm not. I, I really don't have a lot of faith that. Allen Robinson is going to be that guy to turn around the second half of the season. I'm, I'm kind of along along Mike's thought of like, if there's going to be that that third wide receiver for them, it's probably going to be OBJ because, yeah. you know, his his he's got a completely different opportunity in the second half than he had in the first half. So it's all right. Maybe this change winds up being for the better for him. Where, you know, Robinson, you're basically just. Smashing, smashing a rock against the wall, and, and expecting him to do something different. You know? Yeah, for sure. Uh, the next highest scoring team is uh, actually our steam guest team, Jimmy's team. Uh, oh, and so I think, uh, who's next after that? Uh, then Linton and me. All right, let's talk about Linton then. Okay, 
Uh, no, so I'm we, kidding. I'm no. <laughs> so I Jimmy's got a. Jimmy's got some super high end producers who are also young, and he's also got some pretty quality depth, uh, especially on offense. I think Jimmy's kind of attempted to patch the the holes he's had on defense, and we'll see if the, the guys he's picked up can continue to produce what they've done in the first half. But uh, I think Jimmy's one of the few teams in the league that can replace guys who are not performing to the level that he expected with guys who are. Um, like there's very few guys in the league who have two tight ends who are actually fantasy relevant, but he's got two. There's very few guys in the, the league who have more than three receivers who are fantasy relevant. He's got four or five. Um, I think you've kind of struggled when primarily when Brady hasn't been playing like MVP Brady. Um, yeah. Cause he's had like how many games with four plus touchdowns this year. He's just been insane. Uh, and when he's been mediocre, your team's kind of felt that um, that's my read on it. It's true. I'm I'm looking at his stats right now, and it's got one, two, three, four, five, six games of 28 plus points, uh, four games of 36 plus, and I'm sorry, five games of 36 plus, and in two games of of 40 plus, uh, he struggled. Yeah, uh, a couple games there uh, this past week. Uh, I had a rough stretch, really. Because yeah. uh, he was on lost- in between that too. Yeah, and a couple guys went down with injuries. So I traded for, uh, I picked up Sterling in the offseason, free agent, I think. And I traded for AB, and I traded, I got Michael Gallup in a trade for Kenny Galladay, I think. And heading into the season, I'm like, all right, well, I've never had this much wide receiver depth. Like, this is going to be a good thing. And all of those players, Gallup, uh, Shepard, and Antonio Brown, all got hurt when it came time for Godwin, Jefferson, and CeeDee Lamb to have their buys. So I was kind of <laughs> screwed in, in the, you know, in the same period where I'm playing Thurston, the bros, Mike and, uh, and uh, Linton. So I'm like, all right, well, this is not going how I planned. So yeah, you had a brutal I, stretch there. Yeah. I, I just had to make, keep my head above water during that stretch. And hopefully I finish strong here, get, get everybody healthy and uh, you know, went out is what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I think, uh, so one thing that's interesting about your team, so obviously that like James Conner was like really like the best lotto ticket that you, you can take this year because he's just getting touchdowns like crazy. And that offense is always getting in the red zones and he's getting every every red zone touch. Uh, but you add on to, uh, I think Edmonds has like a high ankle sprain right now. Or something. Like he should be out for three weeks or so. So like you're getting a full backfield touches right now during this very crucial time for you, which is huge. And if that Edmonds injury lingers in the playoffs, like that could be a real big hammer for you. And, and you'd have some tough, tough uh, decisions to make. One move that you made that I didn't have the balls to do um, that really, I think worked out in your favor was uh, uh, Aaron Jones. Mm. So I, I was lower on Aaron Jones than most. Uh, and I forget who had him. Maybe it was Lynn or someone like that. Thurston. Uh, uh, Thurston, Thurston, yeah, yeah Thurston, yeah, and it was I, I would have had to give up what was essentially DeAndre Swift, uh, but then I think I would have would have gotten something else like in return too. Uh, now, if if I would have known that Aaron Jones was going to be like crushing it that last year and this year, and then possibly next year, or whatever, like maybe maybe I would have 
changed differently. Now, you know, DeAndre Swift definitely, um, definitely uh, shifted uh, a little bit in terms of his league value. Like I'd rather have, have him move forward, but I at least would have been more aggressive. Maybe I would have pivoted to a different offer or a different pick or, or something like that. But I was really, I was really buyer beware on that because they added AJ Dillon in the second round. And I think that um, the fact that you look through that and you said, you know what, he's their guy. He's a good player. Just like, don't overthink it. And sometimes good players just like continue to, to crush it regardless of, 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 of what additions or detractions they make around them. So um, the fact that like you've really ridden him into like, what has he been a top, top 10, top five running back for the past couple of years? Like, I think that was, that was a, a very good move that you made and you absolutely, you know, crush, crush the draft. You got CD lamb and Justin Jefferson. Like, I don't, I don't know what more you could ask for. Sometimes you get lucky, you know, uh, Pl- Mike Planco actually always texts me. He always tells me I'm the luckiest guy in the league. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I, I guess, like, I, I guess, you know, like I mean, you're also going to have the first overall pick again. Like essentially, like when we look at it, what's going to happen and what sucks is like, I talked to you off camera and I was at least hoping that you didn't want who I want. And I already know that you want the guy that, I, that <laughs> I've been, I've been like hoping for. So, um, You've, like I didn't even get to like live with the possibility of, of getting, and I'm not going to mention him on air because I don't want to add even further exposure to him. But it's like yeah. fucking, you got to be kidding. Yeah, me. We have six months to talk trade now. Yeah. Well, you know. we, you've got two hours to to get a trade, and then yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, I'm curious what happens with Jake. This might. All right, I, I really don't, don't want to get us off topic, but yeah, your team is head to toe. It's Got outstanding starters. The depth that you have is better than a lot of team starters. Um, now you might have like one or two hammers on defense. Uh, really, it's Reddick and Wagner. Everyone else is kind of average. I'm so uh, disappointed with my defense this year. Yeah, but you know it's also something that like you know you can still grind it. Like I found Josh Bynes in the middle of the season, and. He, like they like as soon as they gave him like seventy plus percent of the snaps on defense, he's he's been a fifteen point per player or like per game player every week for the past like four weeks. Mm-hmm. So like if if you can just stay up on snap shares and opportunities, uh, like you can still you can still find a difference maker on defense much easier than you can in like, trying to find a running back or something like that because you know every you know. It seems like the, the top three running backs on every team's depth chart are owned by someone in our league. Yeah, I yep. was just – I hope for consistency, you know, same thing, like the same thing as offense. But for defense, obviously on a, a lesser scale in terms of points, I'm looking for at least 10 points from each guy. And, you know, I'm, I'm starting – Chris Jones was a huge free agent guy for me uh, two off seasons ago now, I think. Played well for me last year. I think they moved him to the outside this year. And, you know – it's like every week he's putting up a, a goose egg. So it's like, well, at what point do I sit this guy? It's going to be the week that he's going to, you know, get three sacks in a game, right? Um, so he's been a huge disappointment for me this year. Um, Jayon Brown, I, I know he's not like a huge prominent star, but very solid um, in terms of fantasy points for me. He got hurt early this year. Obviously, Chase Young went out, but he was having a weird year too, man. A major letdown from Chase Young for me. Um and that's pretty much it. Like, 
uh, like Mike, I, I, you know, we're going to talk about your team in a second, but I like how you have your defense set up. And, you know, I thought I got, I thought I had guys that could get to the quarterback this year and they just are not. So I, I was super high on Chase Young too. He was like, there's only typically like one or two guys per draft that I, I think are worth targeting in our, the way our, our draft is set up and that might change moving forward. But Chase Young was that guy for me two years ago. And yeah. it's a shame to see him not only, you know, get hurt, but he was kind of underperforming before he got hurt. Like that defense yeah. in general in Washington, I was really high on coming to the year and yeah, so it was, uh, didn't work yeah. out. Where do you think Thibodeau gets, gets drafted in, in our league this year? That's a good question because Thibodeau, he's like a, you know, he's a, ideally he's an end in a three, four scheme, which doesn't necessarily like have the greatest output production. JJ Watt, you know, but yeah, so, yeah you're right. You have, you're right. You have JJ Watt, you have guys like Eric Armstead. You can't, it's not like you're, you can't produce there. I'm just saying typically you'd rather have a four, three end. Sure. Um, so I still think he goes in the top 25 and especially if he goes number one overall, um, it's really going to depend, I think, on the owner. Like somebody within the the twenty one to twenty seven range is going to scoop them up. It's just who is it going to be? Because defensive guys typically don't get picked high by teams that are out of it. It's usually like a luxury item. Like if you look at where the guys uh, who go highest in terms of IDPs typically go in our draft, it's like Christian took uh, Jones the one year at fifteen. Like Jimmy took. Christian or Chuck Young pretty high. I took Nick Bosa pretty high. Like Joey Bosa went high to Tucci. Like that's just kind of where they go. Yeah. Cause that's like, you know, what, when you're, when you're at a point where, where you don't have to really think too like, you don't want to think too deep into like finding a guy, like it's like, all right, well you just like pluck the, the highest ranked IDP off, off the board. And it's like, all right, this guy's going to have safe value. He'll, like someone will will at least be interested in him because everyone will know who who they are because you know they're they're getting their 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 uh, their whole stock like pumped up on on draft night like it is like a safe pivot if you're pivoting away from offensive players like all right I'll just go go take the the highest highest drafted defensive player you know and another thing is like IDPs typically don't get talked about much in terms of the the dynasty community like it's definitely an afterthought you'll hear way more about a fourth round receiver going into a potentially, you know, third wide receiver spot. You'll hear that pumped all off season. Like you probably heard so much about St. Brown. I'm um, on Ross. I'm on Ross. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You probably didn't hear a whole lot, hell of a lot about like guys like Jamin Davis or yeah. guys like that who actually are in positions to make an impact uh, moving forward. Um, let's talk about Andrew's team next. So he's got the second most score. Wait, so, second most uh, or are, we, are we not doing yours or, Oh, we're, we're going, we're going in, in order. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yep. So Andrew's got the second most points scored. Um, he's got a bunch of heavy hitters. I mean, between Kamara, Taylor, Tyreek Hill, he's got, you know, a, a pretty good second and third receiver in Terry McLaurin and, and Keenan Allen as well. But I think he's got a pretty thin team overall in general. Like he's kind of struck gold with Devondre Campbell, who's been an outstanding linebacker this year. He, he just picked up Darius Leonard. But outside of those guys, like his, his quarterback plays average, his tight end plays average. Like the rest of his defense doesn't really have a hammer that you can really point to. But he does have this like super high like rogue wave type opportunity each week. And even guys like Tyree Kill, he's been super inconsistent this year. He's putting up five-point games mixed between 40-point games. So you never really know what you're going to get out of Tyreek. I do have to push back a little bit 
His quarterback play has been above average. Like Kirk Cousins is a na- like Kirk Cousins is a name that we gloss over, mm-hmm. but Kirk Cousins he's like on the the cusp of like MVP consideration this year. No, he's like, not. dude, Cousins having he's a not. crazy year. Eighteen hotties and t- and two picks. He's not in the MVP. If you really think he's in the MVP candidacy, you should go bet him because he's probably like plus five hundred. I said plus he's on the cusp, 5, but I didn't say that I would bet Bro, him. But like, come on. I'm I'm saying like, don't you fucking can't... pedal it back now. He is not an MVP. It's candidate. what I said. I said he's on the cusp of being of being an MVP candidate, and I'm not just saying that. This is I've, I've read that as well. Like I'm I'm relaying other people's thoughts to you as well. People are saying that People he's are on the cusp of MVP candidacy. If, if you if you go on ESPN, you, you'll you'll hear him say it. Like oh, the fake sports news media. No, no thanks. You know he's okay. Oh, Jake, turn me down. Right. Oh, damn. <laughs> All right, thanks. Man. Well, at least he got turned down on air. I can have this saved forever. But. No, I you mean, know the Vikings are four and five, right? Yeah, he's the he's the quarterback ten in our league. I would say average quarterback play in our league is quarterback eight or nine. He's, he's slightly below. So I'm not, he's not on the cusp of like being a top two contender for it. Like he's a guy that is on the cusp of being in play. I feel so like anybody I feel like who's like in the top Larry two David right MVP. now, and yeah, like I have to explain what like a cusp. It, it's a cusp. It's, it's 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 the cusp of MVP. I'm not saying an MVP. How many guys? How many What's guys? What's the matter you with you? How many guys would you have above him in the MVP candidacy? Nine. Nine? You'd only have nine guys above him. I just said nine because I know he's the quarterback ten in our league, and I, I haven't put too much thought into it. I put in just enough thought to casually mention it yeah. as he's in the on the cusp of being in the conversation. I stand by I'm, it. I'm stupefied. I don't even know who, I stand who we're going to talk about next. Oh, I think, I think Kirk Cousins is so underrated. He's super underrated. Is that Andrew starting quarterback? Yeah. Hang on a second. Really? I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's him and Tua. Uh, he's got uh, He's been consistent. Aside from two sixteen, uh, sixteen, and actually, there's been three times where he's not been great, but he's been consistent. This is nineteen guys ahead of him in terms of the MVP odds according to FanDuel. He's plus thirty thousand to win the MVP. So you can bet a dollar and win three hundred if you think mm-hmm. Kirk Cousins is going to win the MVP. Just if you actually think that's in the cards or even on the cusp, if it's on the cusp, I'd make yeah. that one dollar bet. Okay, only two picks. If 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 I can get a, a FanDuel account or whatever set back up, yeah, I'll, I'll go. I'll go and I'll, I'll bet a dollar on it. I won't tell Mal. <laughs> no, it's it's not that. It, it's like it's <laughs> because kidding. it's like impossible to actually get like the the tax stuff for them because like uh, they just send all my tax paperwork to like my old address and getting them to update it to my new address is such a headache that I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Gotcha. Yeah. So we got one more team left and that's mine. I'm not going to take the lead on this one, but I do have the highest score in the league so far. That's why I'm talking about. Yeah. I'd say you're on the, the cusp of being a contender this year. That's fair. 
yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. You're uh, <laughs> whatever. Your team's good. It's really buoyed by your defense. You you certainly have the best best defense in the league right now. Um, Rogers is not on the cusp of of really any kind of MVP candidacy. Uh, but Kelsey's a stud. Uh, Mixon has been huge for you this year. Um, I know you've been really like staying the course. Like this is Mixon's year. You've been saying that like every year for the past like three years, I think. Um, mm. But it's finally true this year. It seems like uh, Jamar Chase is having the most impressive rookie season I think I've ever seen. Uh, there's really a, a, like a couple players that you compare him to uh, production wise as a rookie. You have Odell Beckham Jr. and you have like Randy Moss, and I think that's like kind of it. Uh, and I think that like you know. I know we talked, and he has been our favorite wide receiver prospect since the AJ Green and Julio Jones draft, and uh, he's certainly lived up to every bit of the billing and then some so far. Uh, now, I think your problem, and I'm, I'm not really uh, saying anything you don't know, is your wide receiver production outside of him. Uh, wide receiver two, wide receiver three leaves a lot to be desired, but you've been able to. Um, Still got an hour and 45 to fix that, baby. Let's go. (laughs) I don't know if that's, if that's likely, it's definitely not going to be Jerry Judy to fix it. Uh, Oh no. I I don't think, no, no. Jake, my bad. Not getting back to you. been going back and forth since I got back from work. So Jake's brain has been like a fun house of like, should I, should I um, for the past uh, few hours, but he's not really going to, he wouldn't really help you anyway. Um, yeah. He's not gonna outperform. He's not gonna outperform Waller. I think one thing on, on that Judy train that that actually uh, goes to your team is Cortland Sutton has not performed well since since Judy has been back in the lineup. So Judy Judy was out with. I think in fairness, out. that whole passing game has kind of tanked since they've gotten too many. I mean, there's just not as much concentration anymore. It's just it's a random who can produce this week, and also that like Teddy's not great. It it looks like Judy's been getting the targets since he's been, or at least the. And what's weird about Judy is Judy doesn't play that many snaps. Like he he doesn't eclipse eighty percent of the snaps like any week. Tim Patrick is a better wide receiver than most people will give him credit for. Uh, and you basically have like Patrick and Sutton are just like rock solid. They're playing ninety plus percentage of snaps. But like when Judy's on the field and he's in the slot, like they are getting him the ball. And it seems like that's been at the. Uh, at the expense of 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 Sutton's uh, target share. Yeah, the, the, well, mainly the problem is like n- people might get targets. Nobody's really like like if you look at like San Francisco, right? There was a lot of mouths to feed there, and somebody rose to the top. Nobody's rising to the top with all the mouths they have to feed. Somebody might have a good week, but nobody is like the alpha there right now because of. A multitude of reasons that we don't really have to get into, but yeah, it's it's a frustrating situation for everybody who's got players in the game. Fingers crossed for Aaron Rodgers there next year, right? Uh, either that, or I mean, he's he's going to be a free agent in the offseason, so he's either going to get a commitment from a team, or he's going to sign back with the Broncos and possibly have a new quarterback. So. Do you know what would be wild? If they don't resign him and they sign Devonte and Rodgers as a package deal, that would be crazy. Uh, I think I might have just spoken that into existence. I kind of that'd be wild, but like you're really gambling at that point because like you can't let 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 uh, you can't let a guy like Courtney Sutton just like go away for free, right? 
Like unless you know back channel that these guys are going to sign there. Yeah, I don't think you allow that to happen unless you have other things kind of in line already. Yeah. And last thing I mentioned on your team, definitely worth considering. Uh, Roquan Smith is a cheat code on defense this year, getting 16 points per game from 16 and a half, closer to 17 uh, from an IDP is um, pretty disgusting. Then you like Perryman, like, was he like a mid season free agent pickup, like after week one or something like that? Um, You claimed him on September 15th. Yeah. In the middle of the season. IDPs. This is like the same process I've gone through every year and it's always worked and nobody really picks up on it. Like you should not have your starting IDP lineup settled week one. Like you shouldn't go into the the, the season thinking you know where these IDPs are going to end up. Like there's guys like Aaron Donald that you know are going to produce, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, but you can't assume that everyone is going to produce that you think they will. So just... You need to have flexibility on your roster to pick up like two or three guys at a position that you don't feel like solidified at through the first three weeks and just cycle those guys. Eventually you're going to hit on one guy and that's going to be a guy you could ride throughout the season. Like I think I right now I have like three top 10 linebackers and only one signed to a long-term deal. That's because I just cycle them. I don't, I don't go into the season thinking I know who's going to be good. You just have to adapt and pick up the guys who are going to be good. And because you're confident that next year you'll have a different three top 10 like top 10 linebackers like at this point you know like yeah it's it, it's very rare like unless you have a true bona fide stud like Roquan Smith like he'll be towards the top for the foreseeable future you know like that's not it's not a guy that you really need to grind with but you know I think that if you're trying to crush IDPs and you're trying to grind early season just like a guy does well in week one Go and look at his snap share. If he's getting like 100% of the snaps on defense week one, like you know that he's got a role and it's not like fluke tackles and stuff like that. Like and you're like, all right, well then I'll hold on to this guy. And if he's still 100% week two and he's still performing, then maybe he, he gets a little bit longer leash. And then next thing you know, you wind up with a guy like Denzel Perryman, who is what? Is he is he the second highest scoring defensive player in the league right now or something crazy like that? Uh, he, I mean, he's a top five linebacker, I think. But I mean, I think what you're alluding to is also something that you need to really dig into. Like you need to look not only how many points these guys are scoring, but where those points are getting allocated from. Because these yeah. big these big splash plays, like there's going to be oper- like guys who the first week of the season, they have, you know, two sacks and a fumble recovery that they're going to score 18 points, but they were only playing for a third of the snaps. They just happen to be in the right place at the right time. And that is not very replicable. Whereas a guy who gets, you know, 10 total tackles where four are assists and six are solos with a stuff, like that is something that you can actually project, especially if they're getting like 80% of the snaps. Like that is what you're looking for. You're not looking for guys who happen to get lucky and get an interception as a linebacker or get three passes defended because they would just be like in the passing lanes all day. Like you just really need to look at where those points are coming from. Yep. Absolutely. And we're at two hours right now, and I think we went through all the contenders, right? We did. All right. So any, any last words from our from our famed guest and, and lo- local podcaster, Jimmy Icavone? Uh No, thanks for having me on. That was a quick two hours. It was uh, fun hanging out with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate you, uh, you know, dusting off the old podcast bones. I know it's been a while for you, so... <laughs> And uh, is, is is there is there anything that you'd like to plug uh, b- before before we go? Any any Manscape uh, promo codes or <laughs> something like that? 
No, uh, just uh, if you like hockey, check out our site, hwhockey.net. Uh, we have daily fantasy articles coming out if uh, if you guys like to bet and you know potentially win some money. Uh, check some of those out. We uh, we do have a promo code, actually. If you go over to mybookie.ag, uh, use code high and wide spelled out. I think they double your money for your first deposit or whatever. I, I haven't used it, um, but that's something pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, that that's... Uh, pretty much it and uh yeah once again thanks for having me on guys. thank you jimmy mr mr going for the three peat thank you for uh this month's edition of the elite fantasy podcast take it easy guys and good luck in the playoffs see you guys good luck boys.